Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. You believe what you just sang? You sang it. You believe what you just sang? Will you not be shaken? Hold on. Just hold on today. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Romans 8, 15. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, you sang it, provided we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray. We'll jump in. God, we love you. Thank you for the the gift of being able to gather with your people. You are holy. There is none like you. You are our firm foundation. You are our king. So King Jesus, open our eyes that we might see awesome things from your word as we gather with your people this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So good morning, Hill City. My name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Hill City Church. It's an honor to gather with you. Now, I want to start off today by just talk, let me talk a little bit about the medical industry and what's going on in the, in the arena of, of, of medicine. And it's, listen, it's nothing short of miraculous. It really isn't. The things that doctors are able to do blows my mind. I, I think it's just a gift from God. Now, one, one thing in particular, I have, an, I have an uncle who just went through a procedure and he was kind of like the, he wasn't kind of, he was the athlete of the family. They're, they're just we don't have that many, okay? So like, he was like the, the golden boy of our family, and he's older now. He's had a bunch of knee surgeries. Well, he, he, can, he couldn't really walk anymore, so he just recently got a knee replacement, okay? Let me explain this because this blows my mind. They take the knee out that God put in there because it's trash, and then they put a brand new mechanical knee in your body, right? And these things, I guess, last 20, 30 years. It's like, are you kidding me? This is a real thing. And now he's going through the process of what we'd call rehabilitation, right, Post, post-op, right? And he was, at, he was at the doctor. I was visiting with my cousin. He said, yeah, dad was at the doctor, and he was walking. But he's walking with a limp. And the doctor looked at him and said, why are you limping? He said, you don't have to do that anymore. Like he, had, he has been limping for years but he wasn't limping because his knee hurt. He was just limping because that's how he had walked for years. And the doctor looked at him and said, you don't have to walk that way anymore. I was hearing this from my cousin. I'm like, Lord, you've taught me something here today. And for some of you, you're just here this morning. I just want to throw this out to you because maybe this is why God would have you here today. You have been made new. You are following Jesus. You don't have to walk with a limp anymore. 
He's made you new. And it takes us to what we're going to talk about today as, as we're looking at maybe recovery and specifically like that Christ gives us his life for our life. Like our king shared his life with us. And we are children of God as we just read this. Those of us who are following Jesus, we are children of God. And then he continue, continually then will shape us into that identity. Because it's just not natural for us. You, listen, you don't get a complete knee surgery. You don't, and then the next day you're out running your 100-meter sprints. That's just not how it works. Okay? And we are made new immediately, yes. But then there is this idea of being formed into our new identity. And that is to be like Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the way that Christ will shape us, what he will often do for us is that he will bring us to some suffering in order to bring us through that suffering. And he does it for our joy. Luke chapter 2, where we read the Christmas story. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Our King brings joy. Now, by way of review, week one, Nelson came over, he, he talked, and, and man, the reality was that all creation was groaning because of Genesis chapter 3, because of sin, that was the diagnosis, but there was hope we had a king that brings us hope. Then week two, there would need to be a, a surgery or a procedure in order to deal with our sin. And our prince of peace came to do that. And our sin is removed. And those first two weeks, that's more, if you think discipleship words for the first two weeks, that would be where we're talking about salvation, where we might be talking about justification, meaning when we follow Jesus, that God would look at us at, just as if we have never sinned. But as we get into this week and this idea of recovery, it's something different. This is the people of God becoming who we are meant to be, becoming like Christ. So listen, God loves you. Maybe that's the reason some, one or two of you maybe just came all the way to this theater this morning. You just needed to hear that God loves you. But those of us who are following Jesus... God loves us, and he is our father, and we then obey him. We do not obey him so that he will love us, so that he will be our father. We obey him because he does love us, and he is our father. So today, as we look at this, I want you to know I'm not talking as much about belonging to Christ as I am talking about becoming like Christ. This is that recovery it's growth. But I want to start from the passage we read and maybe start at the bottom and then work back up. And this phrase, provided we suffer with him. Provided, it didn't say provided we suffer, period. Provided we suffer with him. Now Paul had already mentioned this back in Romans chapter 5 when he said, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. So we're going to talk this today about the suffering of a child of God. If you're suffering here this morning, what an easy response 
to, to your suffering might be. Actually, I wouldn't even say easy. I would say what a lazy response to your suffering would be that something must be wrong. You must not have enough faith. I think that's a lazy response. Because what could be true, in fact, is that something is actually right, and that's why you're suffering. Did you ever think of that? Our king is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is our suffering savior. Do you think his kids might have to go through a little bit of that too? Yes. Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. If we're following Jesus today, we have his righteousness. That's you and I. We are righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Luke chapter 9.23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now what you did not hear, because it isn't there, and you won't find it, Unless you do some sort of voodoo Bible gymnastics, what you will not find is that when you follow Jesus, you automatically get health and wealth and prosperity. That's not what the Bible teaches. It actually teaches the opposite. And when these people would have heard, like, take up your cross, that would have, that would have triggered in them, like, images and even emotions of, like, agony. We're not talking about, like, you're going to have to have a splinter in your thumb for God. You know what I'm saying? Like, the cross was a brutal thing. Christian, Christ follower, Hill City Church, we will suffer. We don't get out of this thing with no suffering. Now listen, when we think about this, I know where a lot of your minds are going because mine did too. When we think about suffering, we might automatically go to like being persecuted for our faith. I'm not saying that's wrong, so let's talk about that just for a minute, okay? Being persecuted for our faith. Romans has already told us that people are hostile to God who don't follow him, okay? So if they're hostile to God, do you think they're going to be hostile to God's kids? Of course. So we can't let that surprise us. But here's, here's our reality. We're in America, and listen, are there Christians being persecuted all over the world in brutal ways? Absolutely. Are there Christians being persecuted in this country? Yes. But it's not just that we're in America. We're in the Midwest. So this isn't most of our reality. But I do, I, I got to tell you this. The world is not becoming less hostile to God and his ways. It's not going to get easier. College, a lot of college students down here. Listen to me. It, it's only going to get harder for you. It's going to get harder for my kids. It's going to get harder for grandkids. It, it is, and there will be persecution, but that's not really what Paul is talking about here. The suffering that I want to go, go, I want to talk about today is the pains of life. This idea, all creation is groaning, but not just creation, we too groan. So the question this morning is, how well do you suffer? Like when, when you don't get what you think you deserve or what you want, or maybe you do get something that 
you don't believe you do deserve, that you don't want, how well do you handle that? Some of you have been asking God for a a spouse for years. He's not giving you one. How are you handling that? Some of you have been asking God to heal you from a disease, and and maybe he has not done that. There are parents in here maybe whose, whose child is not following Jesus, and they want that. Maybe for some of you it's that you wanted nothing more than for your mom and dad to not get a divorce, but they did. And it shattered your heart. And listen, I have all kinds of examples, but the question to you today is when those things happened or when, if they would happen, where would you run? What direction would you go? Would it be toward God or would it be away from him? Here is our reality. We are conditioned to find satisfaction We are conditioned to find identity, contentment in all that this world has to offer us. But God loves his kids too much. So what he will do is he will intervene and he will allow some suffering in order to point us to himself, who is truly the only one that will satisfy us, the only one where we can find our identity, and the only one where we will find contentment. And the discipleship word for this, the spiritual formation word for this is sanctification. This is this process of becoming more and more like Christ. God will do this for his kids. Parents in the room, you get this. Just imagine if you had a son or a daughter and and maybe they broke, broke a leg or an arm. For a while, they would need to rest and let that heal. But eventually, they would have to get up. They're going to have to get out and walk Before they can run, they're going to have to do some rehabilitation. And listen, that is painful, even oftentimes more painful than the actual break. But parents who love their kids, they won't just say, yeah, just, just lay on the couch the rest of your life. That would be a very unloving thing to do. And God, he pulls us out of our brokenness. He, he cleanses us from our sin. He pulls us out of our brokenness. And eventually he's like, okay, we're going to have to suffer a little bit in order for you to become who you are supposed to be. Listen, I, this has happened to me. God has done this with me. The process of, of Jenny and I becoming parents. Multiple miscarriages. So when these couples of our church come to us, We grab them with open arms and we weep with them because we know how it feels. Multiple miscarriages. So then we get into this adoption process, and it was in March of 2011 when I drove to Kentucky and I, I held the baby boy who made me a dad in March of 2011, only then to realize, man, we have got some hurdles to jump over. And for the next 13 months, we held him and we loved him. But we knew every time the phone rang, it could possibly be, hey, you got to bring him back. He's not yours. Those of you who've been through adoption processes, I can't get into all of it. It's a coffee conversation. Everybody wants to hear. But it was a brutal, brutal process to get Brody into our home and make him a lotz, which is what God wanted him to be. say, oh man, that was tough. Well, it didn't stop there. Jenny does indeed 
become pregnant. We have little Brody. That happened. Well, Brecken, because he's crazy, and he still is crazy, he comes out nine weeks early, and we spend the next month and a half to two months just going to ICU and, and, and wires and stuff up his nose and watching one, and is, is he going to make it? You think, man, yeah, that's tough, but you made it through. No, listen, then we entered another adoption process, and we replaced with two twins from over in Africa in the middle of nowhere. They, we, we got a phone call one day that said, hey, the twins have, have died because 33 out of the 50 kids in their orphanage died because, uh, due to dysentery. We're sorry. Then to get a call a few months later, say, listen, I know that was hard for you guys, but we have a little girl, and we found her in a ditch, and, and she was abandoned, but it's a little girl, and if you guys are ready, like, we would love to place her with you, and that happened in October of 2013, and we said yes, and for the next two brutal years, we had to watch our daughter grow up in pictures, wondering, will she ever be allowed out of her country to come home? On December 31st, 2015, after we were placed in 2013, there we finally got to meet Clementine. And I'm just telling you, this was some brutal, brutal seasons that Jenny and I had to go through. It was awful. And people would come up to me, oh, Brad, you, you got to let go and let God. And I wanted to karate chop them in their jugular and tell them to get out of my face. <laughs> it was suffering. Listen to me, but I'm a better man because I went through it. Now, let me stop you. The world says that crap. What do I mean when I'm telling you this? I am more like Christ for having gone through it than I would be had I not had to go through it. It is Christ that brought me to that suffering, and he brought me through that suffering. He will do the same. Hill City, we don't work for our salvation. Jesus does that, right? By, by faith, by grace, through faith. We don't work for our salvation, but I, you got to pay attention to what I'm getting ready to tell you. It's very important. There, listen, but there is an in the trenches, like get your hands dirty, like blood, sweat, and tears type of life for the Christ follower. And that life will cause us to become more and more like Christ. And it's hard sometimes, but we must persevere through the pain because there is glory to come after the pain. And just listen, by grace, you can come through the pain. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that can bring you through the suffering. The gospel is powerful to save, and the same gospel has the power to sanctify and get us through, and there's glory to come. And here's how I know this, because God in his grace, he gives us shadows. He said, here, take a peek. Here's a shadow of some glory to come. Here's my shadow of glory to come. Dude, I will show you pictures all day. That's why I love Christmas. The suffering was worth it. And the glory that, man, that the glory from that, I mean, I could look at this all day. Listen, the glory from that doesn't even, it pales in comparison to the glory that will come, that God has in store for us. Well, here's what we have going on in our culture. 
Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Just everybody, just can we smile a little bit? We're gonna, this is joy. We're going to get to joy. I need to do a little old school Baptist preacher thing with you. Can I do that? Okay. And some of you, when I do this, you're like, yeah, I see what you did there. Man, I spent a long time in a thesaurus for this. So you guys ready? All right. Listen, listen. In our culture, we want the win without the waiting. See what I did there? Oh, I'm not done. We want the glory without the grind. We want the preeminence without the process. We want our crown without our cross. And that is just not how it works for the follower of Jesus. As God's kids, it's the waiting, it's the grind, it's the process, it's the cross that will grow our faith. That is what will make us more like Christ. First Peter says it like this, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when the glory is revealed. Listen, hear me out this morning. Our king had a broken family. Our king was abandoned. Our king was rejected. Our king was despised. He gets it. And we need to know this morning, there will be suffering. The whole earth groans, and we do too. But meanwhile, we choose joy. Here's what I want you to do. We're not done. We're doing something a little different. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. It's going to be really hard for some of you today. And I want you to know I realize this. We can worship while we suffer. This makes no sense to the world. Corey Tinboom, she wrote The Hiding Place. You guys, we referenced that book a lot here. Here's what she said. And this is how we can worship while we suffer. Because the joy for the follower of Christ, the joy runs deeper than the despair. So here's what I want us to do. Let's worship while we suffer. I'll be back out. guys can grab a seat. But we rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because our joy runs deeper than despair. See, what happens is, is you'll go to physician, right? And, and there's a procedure that happens, but there's always something after that procedure. And a physician will say, hey, here's what you need to do. Here is what you need to endure in order to one day thrive. And the reality is some people, you guys have probably known these people, they just won't do it. Really what's going on is, they're not su- or is they are suffering poorly. But when you suffer poorly, just imagine someone who, who would have a, an injury and they, they didn't suffer well in the healing process. They suffered poorly. What would happen is the evidence would stay with them for the rest of their lives. They would walk with a limp forever. How could that happen? Well, just like in physically, they don't properly see the future for what it can be and will be, and they say, the suffering isn't worth it. Romans 8 tells us something very different. 
Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is where our joy is found. You can go on up, start again in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, that's really, really good news. But it doesn't just stop there. You're not like stepkids. Hey, you're over here. I've got like Jesus and you guys get over here. No, 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 that's not what we see in Romans. You're the children of God. And if children, then you are heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is our reality. What does this mean, Brad? Like, I, I mean, I've heard those words before. I've been to church. Like, what are you saying? Listen, I'm going to just try to boil this down and we could, we could do weeks on this. But let me just make this as simple as I can. When we see that we are heirs, we are co-heirs with Christ, it means we have an inheritance. Well, what is it that we inherit? Everything. Jesus and all that's his. Well, what do you mean, Brad? Well, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. It's God's. We believe Jesus is God. Amen, Hill City? We get that. We inherit that. 1 Corinthians 3, 21, so let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. I don't know how that's all going to unfold. I'm just trusting God's word that I'm a fellow heir with Christ. It's all God's already. We get it. You're following Jesus. That's what we get. We know how this thing is going to end. And it's there where we can find joy. Let me talk about one other thing that we get in this inheritance. Philippians 3.20. Now this one fires me up a little bit. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Listen, Friday night. Jenny and I went with a handful of couples, Hill City couples, and Listen, I'm a grown man. I know someone before I tell you this story. I'm a grown man. But I went Friday night to play pickleball. Okay? Listen, two straight hours I played pickleball. Pickleball. 75-year-olds do this. I woke up Saturday morning, and I'm just telling you, I'm like, I couldn't even walk. Pickleball. If you're 75 years old in the room, listen, I love you. That's not a knock. You're in better shape than me, okay? But listen to me. I'm so ready for a new body. (laughs) I can't even wave at my friends without my shoulder hurting. I'm jacked. I'm not like jacked, like I'm jacked up. (laughs) Listen, I get a new one. That sounds cool to me. I'm ready for it. It's part of my inheritance. And listen, I just want you to know, I approach this very carefully because we're Americans. 
and we're commercialistic and we like stuff. So please don't hear me and think I get a bunch of stuff. Because what we get, more important than anything I just told you, is right here. Give me your eyes. We get Jesus. The one who will always love us. The one who will never leave us or forsake us. And some of you have suffering in your life where you've been left, you've been forsaken. We get Jesus. He'll never do that to us. We get the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Some of you are in here today and you've been betrayed by a friend. You know that pain. We get Jesus, the one who looks at you and he delights in you forever. We get the one who comforts us even in our suffering. We get the one who gives us peace. We get Jesus. This is where we find joy. This is why we can suffer and it be miserable over here, but at the very same time, have a smile on our hearts because we know how it ends. If you're serving communion, I want you to come forward and start to get that ready, please. We suffer. All creation groans. Verse 23 of Romans chapter 8 says, and we too groan inwardly. That's going on right now. But we know how it ends. We have an inheritance, but until that is fully realized, here's what I want you to get this morning. Until that is fully realized, Hill City Church, we've got to go out of here today, and we need to see Jesus for who he truly is. And Jesus loves us enough that he's going to take us through some pain. He loves you too much to not take you through some pain in order to point you to himself. And what we need to do while we're in that pain, what we need to do through that suffering is we need to cry out to our God and our Father in total dependence, even through our suffering. We pray. We talked about it last week. We cry out to God, and he can get us through. And then at the end of it, we can pray. We're going to ask like crazy, take this away. Jesus did it. Let this cup pass from me. Take it away. Take it away, Lord. But not my will, but yours be done. However you see fit, God, to have me suffer, not my will, but yours. That is how we need to pray. See Jesus for who he is. He loves us enough to take us through some pain. He's also how we get this inheritance. He is the reason that we get this inheritance. So we see Jesus for who he truly is, and then here's what we do, church. We choose joy. We can choose it. I want us to float out of here today, but not just today. I want us to float throughout the week, but not just through the week. I want us to float through these holidays knowing that what Jesus has done for us. And that's what we celebrate with this meal. His body was broken, his blood was spilled. He paid for our inheritance. Stand with me.
have some really good news for you. If you're following Jesus, you will get your crown. You will get your crown. But you don't get it before you, before you bear your cross. That's not what our king modeled for us. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. I want this to be on our hearts as we come to the table with a smile. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And because he did that, you can too. We're going to have some elders. We're going to have some staff. And we're down here to pray with you. We're going to have people who aren't on staff. You just come down here and stand with us. You just want to pray and pray with people? Let's go. Some of you are suffering. And so you might want to come down and cry out to God in your suffering. Some of you are like, man, I've suffered without Jesus a long time, and I'm hearing you say this, and I don't want to do that anymore. Come down, let us pray with you.